Hello and welcome back to the Advice and Shit Podcast. I am your host, as it is. Uh, welcome, hello, how are you doing? Um, if you are new here, you can find this podcast on anywhere you stream podcasts. Just look for Advice and Shit with the exclamation point for shit. And um, you can find it on my YouTube channel, which is underscore space as it is, space underscore. Very complicated name. I don't know why thought it was cool whatever years ago and I've just gone with it ever since. So today's podcast, we're actually talking about something interesting. Let me do our little, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see our cute little background thing we've got going on. I love it. I made it. That's why I love it. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so, so we're talking about mental health. Now, if you saw the title, Spoilers, so if you haven't seen the latest horror movie called The Night House, don't listen yet. Don't listen to the podcast until you've watched it. Or if you're someone like me who wants to know the details of all, like all the details, the ins and outs of the entire horror movie before I go see it, so that I don't get freaked out and scared, then please continue listening. That's what I did for Lights Out. That movie fucking terrifying still gets me sometimes I think about it and I'm like just sleep with the lights on for today <laughs> have all the lights on around the house no darkness hello if you've never watched lights out watch it it's great great it, all, all those childhood fears you had and you were like why was I so afraid of the dark as a child I don't get it well lights out brings that back brings back that terror I slept with the lights on for a while and the night house kind of does the same thing it brings up that like why am i terrified of the dark again oh yeah because of this shit this shit right here so again if you haven't watched spoilers ahead so let me walk you through the whole movie and then we'll t- tie in mental health at the end okay let me read you the synopsis of the movie real fast so Reeling from the unexpected death of her husband, Beth, played by Rebecca Hall, is left alone in the lakeside home he built for her. She tries as best as she can to keep together, but the dream come but the dreams come. I can't I'm not can't read, apparently. Disturbing visions of a presence in the house calls to her, beckoning with a ghostly allure. So that's that's part of it. That's part of the synopsis we got going on. So This movie, so <laughs> I think for different audiences, it will work differently. Um, so I'm someone who in this so in this movie, the main character she says that she's dealt with depression for a very long time. It's been a struggle for her, but her husband always kept it at bay. And she later talks about how she actually was medically dead for four minutes she was in a car accident where she fell off the side of a mountain pancaked her lungs collapsed the whole shebang should be airlifted out she was dead for four minutes and she said she just saw nothing there was no light in the tunnel it was just tunnel right and her husband has killed himself he shot himself um Oh, yeah. It's a very graphic horror movie, so maybe, like, I'll talk about mental health. Should have been a warning. 
Yeah, no, he kills himself. Um, and <laughs> it gets a little darker than you'd think from just that. It gets darker than that, so please, um, you know, be prepared. Um, and he left her a note, and the note says, You are right. There is nothing. Nothing is after you. You are safe now. What the fuck does that mean? Apparently, her and her husband, who've been married for 14 years, going on 15, they had always argued about what was at the end of the tunnel, right? You know, what happens when you die? She said there was nothing. And he always disagreed. He thought there would be something. So she said the note didn't make sense because why would he finally agree that there is nothing? That you were right, there is nothing. Nothing is after you. You are safe now. What does that even even mean, you know? So that's the setup for the movie, right? Um, She's hearing all these creaks and noises, stereo stuff. It's like her house is kind of haunted. Um, the, you know, the usual setup for, like, my house is haunted, ooh, spookiness, um, and my favorite, my absolute favorite part of this movie is, so she, this is, again, this is a character who has dealt with depression for a very long time, always struggled with it, her husband helped keep, helped keep the depression at bay, you know, um, she jokes about like her husband's death and uh depression she she makes jokes about it and (laughs) it's so funny to watch the other people around her get uncomfortable with like the jokes and things that she's making um but I think that really demonstrates what I think that's a very clear picture of mental health and depression. Um, because I mean the people who who make the jokes about it are probably people that are struggling with it the most. You know, um, like oh gosh, who was that actor? It's a great actor in my childhood. Why can't I remember his name right now? Freaking love him. He ended up oh what is his name? It's gonna come to me later. He was like an all. Who's the genie in Aladdin? Why can't I think of it? Robin Williams. Thank you. I was trying to think of the word Robert, but it's Robin Williams. Oh my gosh. Sorry, Robin Williams. He was very depressed, but he's one to make the most jokes because it's like a diversion from it. It's like, oh yeah, I'm depressed, but like, you know, what's depressing? You know, making jokes about it. And I watched it with a friend, and she was like, I just can't believe she'd make jokes like that. Like. You know, I'm thinking, that's the best freaking part of the movie. I thought that was hilarious because I was like, that's me. (laughs) That's me right there. I thought that was so funny because as someone who's been in similar states of mind, I've also made jokes like that. So I thought those jokes were hilarious and I didn't find them offensive. I was like, that's so funny. For example, this teach, this, this, it's so funny. This mother comes in and she's like, my son has a C in your class and she's like yeah looks like he didn't do this assignment and 
um, the mom's like, well, you said he could do a makeup. The teacher's like, well, the main woman's a teacher. She's like, yeah, he didn't make it up. And the mom's like, well, he wanted to make it up on Thursday. And she's like, uh, the last day of school was Thursday. So mom's like, well, he, you weren't here, apparently. So why can't my student, you know, why weren't you here? And main character's like, well, it was a, it was a personal matter. So, you know, I wasn't here. Which also, like, why would you wait to the last day of school to make, do a makeup? Why would you send your mother in when it's like, you wait to the last day to redo it? got a little frustrated at that um and the mom of this student says we all have personal things she said like that so so condescending you know um you know we all have personal things and our main character is like okay fine you want to be your son has a your son has a bee and you know like she really didn't care and the mom's like, that's not, that's not what I want. It's not what I, and our main character is like, what did you want when you came in here? What did, what did you want? You know, or no, sorry. She's, when she, she offered the B, the mom is still, you know, being annoying. And she's like, I wasn't here Thursday because my husband shot himself in the head you know, just, just dead. So, um, what do you want? What do you want? A here, have an A. And he, and she's like, no, like, that's not why I came in here. Like, then what did you come in here for? What do you, what did you want? You want an A here? Have one. She's like, no, 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 it's fine. B's fine. Okay. A B. Great. Like that amount of, my friend didn't think that was funny. I thought that was so freaking funny because <laughs> that, blunt sarcat not sarcasm that bluntness of truth um of how terrible things are going i have done that um i have struggled with mental health um depression and and then really dark thoughts um and Sometimes when people really frustrate me, they're like, well, why are you doing this? What's wrong? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't know. I'm depressed or I don't know. I want to, you know, just end it. Like, you know, the bluntness I related to. And I was like, that's kind of hilarious. Okay. So I think it was a very good depiction of mental health. I think it was a good, because people are saying that the movie is a metaphor for depression. I think that the movie really showed, like, how her personality was changing um, were great signs of depression and her mood and, and how she was reacting to everything and being so blunt about it. Like, she was carrying her husband's suicide note in her pocket. Everyone's like, you're carrying it with you? And she's like, yeah, why? Like, yeah, You know, like, in, in, when, you're, when you're in that headspace. Um... And so I thought it was a great depiction of that. However, I don't think it's a metaphor for depression. I, I don't think that's what it is. Um, because, 
like she has all these supernatural things going on around her so that can't be the whole point of the movie like it's a metaphor for depression we could have just and also if it's a metaphor for depression it did not leave you feeling good so I'm gonna tell you the end and how it's not a good metaphor it's it could be a metaphor for depression um but so the end of the movie it's like it's like a demon like that's what it is that's kind of following her because you know when she had those four minutes of death you know she said she saw nothing it was the nothingness this sort of thing that was following her and wanted her to die and it was it couldn't kill her itself it had to convince her to do it It had to convince her that she was so alone that she should just end it all it doesn't matter that there's other people there for you you should still do it and i think that's a great metaphor for depression i get that um but at the end like she just hears her friend screaming her name like her friend is swimming out to this boat to go get her friend um to keep her from you know dying because she just sees her on this boat with this gun when you know our main character beth is having this psychological warfare in her head and she's seeing all these things around her where she sees this demon thing i don't know in front of her telling her to like like <laughs> palette what's his name um palatine palatine being like do it like that <laughs> basically um and she hears her friend's voice and so she doesn't do it she like turns the gun away and i think that's a terrible ending she turns the gun away her friend pulls her out of it um and then she can still on the boat she sees this slight dark darkening area of where the demon thing was sitting on the boat and that's the end not a great ending for all the shit that happened not a great ending it honestly reminds me of silent um was it silent hill or something where it's like you know this town was abandoned because so much like steam was building up from underneath or whatever silent hill and you know they go into hell and it's terrible and then they get out and it's like has no effect on them and it it's also kind of like as it is so below where they they literally travel to hell and then come up through um this manhole in in Paris and that's it like that it, it feels very unfulfilled um because This is what I'm going to tell you. If she was so depressed that she was going... If it's simply a metaphor 
for depression. And this was the embodiment of depression Despite the psychological warfare going on, which we'll get to in a minute, the visions and shit she saw, we'll get into that. Um, If it's just simply a metaphor, the embodiment of depression, then just hearing a friend's voice, I don't think is going to pull you out of that. I really don't. Do not think so. I, I don't believe so. If you were that to that point where you have a gun in your face, I don't think that that's what would happen. Um, because most people feel like the people that are there, even around them, don't get it or they would be better off without them being there. Or um, that they don't truly care about them. So, in speaking from my own experience, um, when I was about to graduate high school, like I was, I was days away from graduation, shit had happened, it was bad, and I literally looked my mother in the face and told her that I was having suicidal thoughts, and just because she said my name. To not make me not want to do it. We're getting real on this podcast. I didn't. That didn't make me not want to do it. You know, um, her constantly being there helped me. Having people, friends, constantly be there for me got me through it. Not just, you know, the one word of saying my name or them saying. My name didn't get them, didn't get me through it. So, yeah, I think that was a really crappy ending because then it shows that, okay, she got past this, like, really dark moment, but, like, you know, the depression embodiment, as that we're going with, is still there. That I get, but, like... I don't, I don't know, I don't see how hearing your friend say your name would get you to put a gun away. You know, I don't, if, if she was really there, I don't know. And, and the thing is, is that I say that because if this is really the, this is, this is a, an embodiment of depression, right? And everyone's depression affects them differently, then she would have to, how do I say this? If this was the embodiment of depression, that means that she had to go get the gun herself and really be in that mindset to go do that. Be on the same boat where her husband killed himself for her to go kill herself. She really have to be in that mindset. And the reason why I think her friend saying her name saved her was because she wasn't in that mindset. You see throughout the movie that she's not in, she, yeah, she's depressed, but she is not in that kind of mindset. Like she is depressed. She finds out that her husband 
was cheating on her and was a serial killer. Uh, Like, hello, you know? So, yeah, I'd be depressed too. And she, she thinks that this ghost thing is her husband and she's telling it to come get her. But she ain't your husband. It's a demon. So that, I think, she was depressed, but she was never in that suicidal state of mind. And that goes into me thinking that my thought process that this is not a metaphor for depression. People are putting it that way, so it's really artistic. But, like, it's not. I think it's artistic in another way. I think it's showing that, you know, spiritual warfare that's going on around, like if someone's being possessed, can be misdiagnosed. I'm messing with some, like, putty stuff. Can be misdiagnosed or misdetermined as depression, and it's not. They're going through something, like, psychological warfare, spiritual warfare going on, a fight for, like, the soul. So, yeah, just because she was able to get, she was never in that suicidal mindset and her friend, her, just her friend saying that, just saying her name, got her to turn it away and make her feel like, you know, this thing wasn't completely over her. Um, yeah, I don't think that this movie is a metaphor for depression. I, because, it's just what I don't think. My husband thought the movie was like in the Deathly Hollows of Harry for Harry Potter. Um, death felt cheated, and so it was trying to get um, her back. So that's how he watched. He watched the movie through that lens, where um, oh, it's a towel. I was like, what is this orange thing in the background? Um, he watched the movie as if this demon thing was was death itself. And it had felt slighted for not, um, I guess she should have died and she survived and death felt slighted. Like in the Deathly Hollows and like death went after the three brothers. So, which would make sense because for the past 14 years, death, we'll call it death right now, death was whispering in the husband's ear to bring... Beth back to it to kill Beth and for a long time the husband resisted which honestly made me cry I almost, I almost cried at one point I was like oh no it's so terrible um because I was like for 14 years you're being told like do it kill her. you know um damn like that's really sad and it, it makes sense why he you know offed himself but here's the thing is that he is trying to, tr- we'll, we'll call it, we'll still call it death, was trying to trick death and built a mirror image of their house and this weird statue thing because he read about some books about how to like get away like from dark matter or something or like dark things and um you know, it was using it, he was using the house to trick it, to, um, you know, 
lure it to that house instead of to uh, their actual house. Because their house is on a lake, so he built on the direct opposite side of the lake with a reverse house. And this weird statue thing that was like where she was all like, with a, it was like a woman who was all, you know, bent weird and stabbed a bunch of times. Which also, at the end of the movie, when the demon has a hold of her and has it in like the reverse house, which I'm assuming is like hell, because the reverse house the husband built wasn't finished. It was like a little little shack in the woods looking thing. Um, you know, it wasn't real, like a real house, but the reverse house that this death had was, ow, that death had was like a full house. Um, and so I think it's like a hellscape thing. Like, and that's what reminds me of the, the Silent Hill where it's like you're in the reverse of the school or something. I don't know. Um, and so what was I going to say? You know how like scary movies like get you thinking so you gotta look behind you? Okay, sweet, I looked behind me. Good. You know, spooky break time. <laughs> um, I completely lost my train of thought. Because, he, oh, so he, so he had that, but it wasn't work. It worked for a little bit, but then it stopped. So he started killing women that looked just like his wife to confuse death, to think that she had died. Like, this man is a serial killer. The husband's a serial killer because he doesn't want to kill his own wife. And then, to finally not kill his wife, he he kills himself. And that's when he said, there is nothing. Nothing is after you. You are safe now. Which means... I don't know what that means, like, because he was after her. The husband was after her by being, you know, tempted by death, because we're still calling it death right now, because death wanted her back. Um, I'm going to get into husband a little bit. So, I don't know, it's confusing. It's a confusing thing. With the husband. Because it's like so many twists and turns. Because I actually screamed during this movie. I never screamed during scary movies. But I actually screamed during this one. Because like all these women are running by her. As she, running by Beth as she's outside. Um, and they're like jumping over this ledge into the lake. And she's like what's going on? And then one comes out of nowhere. And I literally went ah! Like in the theater. It's kind of embarrassing. Um. <laughs> And then me and my friends are like holding hands and I have my hand over my mouth because I'm freaked out. I'm like, I can't scream in the theater again. So like I lost circulation in this hand and I'm just like squeezing my face to death because I'm like, because the movie was really, because I'm, I love to overanalyze and like think like, oh, what's the ins and outs of the thing, of the whole movie. And so then when like there's so many turns like, I thought, you know, it was, like, I don't know, because they were on a lake in the middle of the woods. Like, they didn't say where they were. I thought, oh, like, he, because the husband built the house. I thought maybe he built this house on, like, ancient burial ground or something. But no. It was the thing 
that she saw when she died, and it wanted to take her back. So kind of like the Deathly Hollows. And then I thought, you know, because um, when we saw all these girls at this place, like jumping off, I thought, oh, you know, maybe there was like a serial killer. But then you see all these pictures on this phone and you find something to fear and you're like, oh, is it just like some weird vision, vision she's having? And I think the audience is trying to convince you that the thing in the house is her husband because she thinks it is. She really thinks that she felt her husband's presence or whatever. Um, I don't think that. I never thought that. I never fell for that. Mostly because I don't believe in ghosts. Um, so I was like, no. And it can't be just like the husband. But then when you find out that the husband, you know, is a serial killer and you see the thing again, I was like, maybe it is him. Maybe he's come back to kill her. Because I was like, it doesn't make sense for him to come back and be tormenting his wife. But if a serial killer, maybe the, maybe the thing is him. It's very confusing, making you think, movie, you never know the plot during it. Which I think is great, because mo- most horror movies, you can figure out the plot right away. But this one, hello, a car honked and it freaked me out. <laughs> but most horror movies, you can figure out the plot right away, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, this one, I couldn't figure out. When it, there was a cutaway to, like, morning, I really thought she was dead. At one point, I was like, yeah, she's dead. The, the friend's gonna go in and find her dead body, but no, she wasn't dead yet. But it, 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 there's so many twists and turns, and it was so good, and that's why the ending really sucked. It felt very unfulfilled, because I'm like, I'm on the edge of my seat. Like, my whole body is clenched. I am clenched for Jesus, and, like, when I got up, my joints hurt, because I was, like, Ugh, on the edge. Very unfulfilling ending. I gotta say, I was really disappointed. And so, this is my interpretation of the movie. As someone who um, believes in God and heaven and an after, right? This is what I think. If you don't believe that, then you, you know, you don't have to stay and listen to my point of view on that. Um... But if you want to hear it, then please stay. You know, this is your this is your chance to opt out. So, from a biblical standpoint, you know, hell is the absence of God, is the absence of everything. And so, when she died, it seemed like this is also something my husband said was that it seemed like her nothing was just like hell. She was face to face with hell, with like. I guess, demons and, like, the nothingness, right? And so I think this was a demon. And also, so I listen to a lot of, like, serial killer podcasts. Like, I'm not, because I want to, like, understand their mindset, you know? My friend was like, you know, some of them are, like, psychopaths. You know, they're born as psychopaths. But then you have to think, like, if God makes people perfect, not perfect, God makes you as, like, a beautiful creation. He's not making you imperfect. It's the world that makes you in sin that makes you imperfect, right? Then if you were born a psychopath, then that can't be the thing that's wrong with you, right? Right? And so, everyone has a struggle in life. Mine is probably depression because it's something I struggle with, you know. Um, which, oh, oh, also, okay. We'll get 
and his little book thing. Because the husband has a book where it's like the plans of the reverse house and everything. One of the things says, don't listen to it. That's what it said. He wrote the book in the top of the book. It says, for like, Beth, hope this helps you. And it says, don't listen to it. Underlined a bunch. The entire movie, this bitch listened to the thing the entire time. She listened to it. It was like the door. Open the door. She fucking did. I'm like, you idiot. You idiot. You're opening the door after it told you to? First off, if I hear a noise that said, hey, open this door, I'd be like, I'm calling the fucking police. This girl never called the police once. Even when she had just heard, like, her stereo turn on and the lights on downstairs, I'd be like, someone broke in. I wouldn't think, let me violently unplug my phone from its charger and go investigate myself. No, I would think, I'm gonna hide in a closet and call the motherfucking police. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole, that'd be the end of my movie. I'd call the police and they'd say, ma'am, nobody's here. And I would say, I'm getting a hotel. The end. The fucking end of my movie. Because I'm not going to stay and investigate and figure out what's going on with my husband. And no, 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 sorry. Also, I don't like the, fr- I'm going on a rant now. I don't like the friend. The friend was good because she actually swam out to the lake to save her friend. That was good. But she could tell her friend was very distraught when she was over at her house near the end of the movie. And she offered for her friend to stay the night. She offered Beth to stay the night. And Beth's like, I'm going to go pack a bag or whatever. And if I was a friend, because Beth is one of this whole thing about all these visions and stuff she's seeing in this house that seems like she's, this is, a, okay, this is another reason why it can't be a metaphor for depression is that, you know, she's seeing how she's like seeing things while she's sleeping. This person's like, oh, like sleep paralysis. You know, and he's going to explain to her what sleep paralysis is, where it's like, your mind's awake, but your body's not. She's like, no, I fucking know what sleep paralysis is. God, no, it's like, my mind's asleep, but my body's awake. Like, like, sleepwalking? She's seeing all these things, and her body's moving, but like, it's not like she has much control over the situation. And she's like, oh, my husband started sleepwalking, like, you know, two years ago, or whatever. Um, And then, you know, he killed himself, and now she is sleepwalking. So it can't be metaphor for depression because they're both doing it. It has to be an outside source causing these problems. And in the beginning of the movie, when that mom comes in to be like, my son deserves a better grade, she looks at the clock, she's scrolling, looking at houses on Zillow to buy, and then you see her like close her eyes and she's like twitching or whatever, and then she opens her eyes, so much time has passed, and now apparently she's looking for guns online. Possession. Possession, bitch. Mm, that's what I thought. As soon as I saw that, I was like, this is fucking possession. That's why I was never convinced. Oh, it's the husband coming to visit her. No. Possession. Ghosts can't possess you. They're not, they're not that powerful. Okay. So then, um... But yeah, so the friend was like, okay, just come back, call me. And I'm thinking like, If I was a good friend, I would go with you to go get your stuff. Or I'd be like, I have an extra shirt. Guess what? You're not leaving now. Because I would believe what the person said. I would believe all their visions and things that they said they saw. 
And I'd be like, now you're not leaving my home because I don't trust, I don't trust that house to protect you and keep you safe. You're coming with me. Thank you. And that would be it. That'd be the whole conversation. <laughs> That'd be the whole thing. So anyways, I think everyone's born with, um, something that they struggle with. So for me, it is depression. For our main character, we see that it is it is depression. And we see that as this demon gets closer and closer to her, her depression gets worse and worse. And as someone who believes in the supernatural around us, um, and has seen things, and my roommate in college, we both saw things, um, and I saw, basically how this movie plays out is, like, as this demon gets closer and closer to Beth, we see Beth's depression get worse and worse, I literally saw that play out with my roommate in college, and, you know, here's little old me praying to Jesus, throwing salt, you know, trying the best I can and it's having its own effects on me and like exhausting me um, spiritually. Like, shit's hard. <laughs> you know? Um, and so that's why I think it's more like possession because of that and that personal experience of witnessing that and feeling that way myself around those things so that's why I think she was able to get out of it when her friend was calling her name on the boat is because it was yes she was depressed um and she'd been dealing with depression but at that point it was really the demon coercing her into feeling that loneliness and emptiness to you know end them her her own life um I think that is the reason um why she's able to get out of it because it was honestly like I don't think enough time had passed of like sadness um of of the demon like being on her for so long for her to end it I think it would take a lot longer so there could be like a second movie where like um she does you know end it because um there could be a second movie where she does end up ending her life because the demon you know tormented her for much longer because I think it like I feel like a week had passed. I'm like, that. that is not enough, to me, enough time of coercion for it to work. That's what I think. It took the husband 14 years, you know, to kill himself. But I don't know how long he'd been killing other people. So, I think the demon jumped the gun with that one. But anyways, so, that's why I think it was a demon. Um, oh, right, so psychopaths. So, if you believe that, like, you know, God made you in his image, and the world is what corrupts you, right? Um, then God, if you, being a psychopath is, like, 
genetic, like you're, you're born that way, then you're not, you know, a terrible person, a sinful person because of that. Something else has to coerce you. So I think, like, you know, as the demon got closer to Beth, it pushed her into a deeper depression and made her struggle even worse. So what if, like, her husband's, like, struggle was wanting to be a murderer and you know as the demon got closer and closer to him he fell for it like is it, this is just me spitballing ideas of what i thought happened in the movie like literally there's nothing to back it up it's just my, me spitballing ideas but like what if that's what it was um and so like the demon was like oh kill your wife he's like i'm not gonna kill my wife i'll kill other people to like distract you but also in his own way he was falling for the demon for a different reason. I don't know. That's what I was thinking. That's what I thought because I like overanalyze and like I'm a deep thinker. I overanalyze things to where it's like a problem probably. So yeah that's what I thought of this movie. I thought the build up was so freaking good and then the ending was just terrible. It just didn't work. It didn't leave anybody satisfied in the end and it didn't like it's a symbol for like if it's a metaphor for depression it's a symbol of like depression always being there if it's um like the deathly hollows thing then death still feels cheated and it's gonna keep going after you if it's like a demon then it's like it's still gonna go after you um you know which if it is a demon thing this girl's first mistake first mistake she never went to a church either. She never went to a church and was like, I got this I got this demon problem. Probably because she thought it was her husband this whole time. But like, if she had thought, maybe it's a demon, she would be like, I had to go to a church. Whether or not she believed, go to a church. They seem to be experts in it. Get that thing to go away. That's what I think. But you let me know what you think down below um, on my YouTube channel. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.